everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Life in Private Staffing. Still seems a bit weird saying that because we changed our name recently. <laughs> Can't get my head around it. <laughs> I keep saying the wrong name. Live in Private Staffing, welcome back, season two, episode three. I hope you're all well, hope you've all had a good week. Um, as we've sort of discussed before, per the purpose of this season is to talk less to uh, people who are sort of working in the households and more to people who are responsible for the recruitment just to try and make these a little bit more useful to those that are listening who are looking for work, uh, want a bit of extra guidance, want a bit of extra advice. So um, today we've got Sam on the show and Sam is another recruiter, which is nice to talk to. People either love or hate doing recruitment. I speak, when I just tell people I do recruitment, they're either like, oh my God, I did that once, it was awful. Or they're like, yeah, did it, liked it, still do it. So it's nice to talk to recruiters because they, people, yeah. they, Get, get what I do and don't think I'm an absolute nutter. Um, so Sam's been doing recruitment um, for years, really keen to find out a little bit more about how he got into it, especially how he got into the private sector. And he's really familiar with recruitment over in um, the American market over in LA, which I don't know much about. So it's really cool to talk a little bit about that. Um, and he has a, a agency called Staffing Properties. Um, that's fairly newish actually so it's really keen to sort of find out how he started that and how he what his experience was over 2020 um, because I can't imagine it was easy well it wasn't easy for any of us really um, no. so those, <laughs> those looking for work had a hell of a year but also us trying to help you also had a hell of a year like we we're all in this together at the end of the day so um, welcome to the show Sam how are you? I'm good thank you thank you for having me on yeah no worries tell everyone where you're based at the moment, we are based in Monaco. Uh -huh. um, in the last year, I've lived in London, Los Angeles, Monaco, Switzerland, and Croatia. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that gives you an idea of how difficult it's been running a business that's only one year old now. Um, so yeah, lots of time zones, um, but we've now moved to Monaco. Um, we're here for a little while. I don't know where we'll be full time, but we just felt it was right for us at the moment. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, and the weather must be slightly better. Yeah, it, it, it was nice the weekend, actually. Um, so it has been a bit better. Uh, it's, it's nicer than the UK, that's for sure. Mm. Um, and it is, yeah, I've got to be honest with you, I never had ever even really been to Monaco before. Um, mm. And I'm quite impressed by it. It's very different. Um, to what I expected, to be honest with you. Okay, and what's the lockdown like there? Are you locked down? We're not, but it's very strict. Mm. Um, what what you what you see here is obviously you've got got a small population. It's thirty seven thousand people, but you're you're border with France and Italy, mm. um, and six thousand people come to work here. Mainly uh, service orientated staff mm. come in. Um, nearly everyone here does have staff. Um, and they've done very well on keeping it. So it is, it's open, but it's not. You can go for lunch, but not for dinner at the moment. It's curfew at seven o'clock. There's no breakfast, but the shops are open. Businesses are open. It's all a little bit here and there. <laughs> it's kind of like... But it's very uh, It's kind of like, we are doing our bit, but we're kind of like doing what we can at the same time. Well, masks are mandatory. Um, nobody is allowed into Monaco unless they live or work here. Um, yeah. So they've really closed down the borders. They've only had in the year, in, bearing in mind Monaco is the most uh, 
densely populated place on the planet um, per square kilometer. Mm. Um, and they've only had nine deaths. Yeah. So it was one of the reasons we, we moved here um, for the safety mm. um, and, and how well they've done through COVID. Yeah, fair. Do you speak any French? Do you need to speak French? I, do you know what? I didn't think you did, but uh, French or Italian really does get you by here. Um, I'm actually doing French lessons at the moment. Um, okay. I'm awful. <laughs> I haven't done one for a month, so it's. Uh, I could imagine it's going quite quickly. Um, mm -hmm. But I think my plan is to set business up here, um, and the you need to speak French. The candidates, a lot of candidates, only speak French. A lot of your clients will as well, especially the principal. Yeah. You might have house managers or staff there that speak English, but we've got some clients in Monaco and the clients themselves are only French speaking. So you yeah, have you definitely do get that. And it's it's kind of, you do need it for business here. Mm. Well, it's a good drive to try and learn. Yeah, it was something new to try and learn. <laughs> you know what though? So like I, I've been learning, I, we have French lessons, I have French lessons as well. And I just look back to my school days. I'm like, what? Like I had five years of free lessons and I just yeah. like didn't do any, like I just didn't care. And like, Crazy. if I could shake my younger self, it'd be like, make better use of school because I'm paying a bloody fortune for it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And loads of time. And it's just, it's, it's so hard to learn a new language being English because so everyone speaks English. Yeah. So it's, it, it is hard. Like even here, you get around with not speaking French, mm. like quite easily. But yeah. then when I go into France, then it becomes quite difficult. Mm. Yeah. Or Italy. Yeah. Um, so how long have you been doing recruitment for? I think this is my, oh, could be my 10th year. Mm. 11th year. I think it's actually my 11th year. Do you, do you find as well that when you say to people, I work in recruitment, you'll get a mo nine times percent of people are like, oh, God, I did that once. It's really funny. It's, it's really looked down on recruitment as a mm. profession. Same as uh, real estate agents. Oh, just say, exactly car salesman. The three, the three are exactly the same. And I've been a car salesman and a, and a recruitment agent. So um, it, um, I only just need my real estate license now. And, and it pretty much I'll be the vermin of the planet um but it is weird why people it isn't a respected profession mm. but you can earn more than a doctor or a lawyer in it i think it's kind of a hidden thing that people don't understand how much money you can earn from recruitment and it's what i always used to say to young juniors coming in they used to talk to me about oh, i can go and do this i can go and do that but i used to say well they won't earn what you can in recruitment. It's an uncapped business mm. that you don't need qualifications to do. So you can do it straight from school. Mm. Um, it's weird. Now I wish I hadn't, I'd come straight into it from school. Mm. Um, and I wish someone had actually told me about it then. Um, but it's weird. No one pushes recruitment. Uh, but well, it is definitely a certain person that can either take it or not. Well, I just think if you've got a gift of the gap, you tend to do all right at it, which is yeah. like, I like it. Well, it's just that you just need to be confident talking to people. If you're confident talking to people and you're fairly passionate about what you're selling, I just think people see us as salespeople and we'll say anything to make a quick buck. But that's that the recruiters that have that attitude don't recruit for long because obviously if you're not passionate about what you're selling, you're not going to sell it for very long and your people, your place aren't going to last very long. So, um, Bad recruiters, yeah, bad recruiters 
uh, just want to push anyone on anything, anyone on anyone or anything on yeah. anyone just to make their money or the rest. But we shouldn't get tired of all the same brush because those good recruiters that do it for years have to be good recruiters. And we do it because we bloody love it. Like we love it and we're good at it. And it's hard work. Like you're answering your phone all night, all day, all weekend. Like, um, and we still get tarnished with, oh God, a recruiter. It's funny. It's exactly it. It's, uh, it's funny. And people think our fees are, ridiculous and things like that but yet they don't think a lawyer's fee is ridiculous well um, imagine, yeah and also imagine it this way imagine if like um we only get paid like i could work on a vacancy for six months and i could only get paid imagine if like a tech company went to a tech developer and said i want you to spend six months building a piece of tech for me i'm not going to pay you but we spend six months doing it if i like it i'll take it but if it breaks or anything happens the first three months i want money back any tech, any, any other industry would be like, are you mental? You'll pay me for every single hour. Lawyers charge every hour they I talk before they even do your work. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is funny and it is, it's weird why it's just seen as, oh, well, well, that's recruitment and we'll bid you down on your fees and everything. Mm -hmm. The first thing they do to recruiters bid down on fees, but yet a lawyer, they, they probably don't do it. it it's crazy. Mm. It is crazy. Um, I don't, it's not changed, but I don't. I don't really know how we can change it. Um, it's kind of you just kind of have to take it being a recruiter as part of the industry. Of you just have to take this rubbish from yeah. people. Yeah, the only time, the only way I see it when it shifts is just when you've got a really good relationship with your client, and then there's some mutual respect there, and they really respect what you're doing, and vice versa, and it's lovely. But typically, that, I've that's the best it. feeling, without a doubt. Yeah. Candid candidates and clients are like you've worked your ass off done a really good job and we're like so happy to pay you for your time um although it's still yeah. not paying for your time it's still it's still taking your months if you, yeah. if you work out our hourly rate it's pretty low yeah we, we actually that my old boss used to say that we actually work for less than minimum wage oh, for, um, sure. for the hour we put in yeah um, yeah for sure it, and, and, therefore, and therefore with that we must be doing it because we love it we must enjoy it because and that's yeah. exactly it i think it's there's lots of things uh recruitment's brought me i've met so many people I, i've the best thing i would say to anyone thinking of getting in recruitment you can work in any country in the world doing it um so i think if you're looking like i done it in australia i'm now doing it in in uh america i've now moved to monaco and i'm doing it here it's you can do it wherever um, and it's a real skill that you don't have to, if you're a lawyer, for example, keep using lawyer, but if you, you have to then retrain for the new country you're in, mm. as you don't, you've got the skills. Um, bit like a hairdresser. Mm. You can do it wherever. Yeah, that's a really good point. I could be sat on a beach. You could do, you could do, yeah, do it wherever. Um, so where did your recruitment career start for you then, 11 years ago? Where are you doing? In Australia. Okay. It started in Australia in a fantastic company called People to People. Um, I was very, very lucky um, to work for them for, for many years. Um, and I was a temp consultant. Um, so I, I'm, I am a temp consultant really at heart because I, I'm that. <laughs> me too, I, I like. Like. Me too. You're I'm a temp as well. I'm a temp, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's funny, people used to tell me temps can't do perm and perms can't do temps and things, all that. I was one of the highest billing perm consultants in the company as well, where my temp to perms, my temps used to go to perms. Mm -hmm. um, 
So it was a real thing that really used to bite me that I never used to win the perm consultant of the year if I actually was the perm consultant of the year. They said, no, yeah, you're a temp consultant. It's mm. like, well, no, I'm both. <laughs> but I don't think perm, people who train as perms actually can't, I think, struggle to do temp as well. But if yeah. you train as a temp, I think you can do both. Yeah, agreed. And just so, just to explain the people that are listening, because I started micro office angels, so you were doing, I was doing office stuff like you were. Yeah. And yeah, a temps consultant, I had probably two, 300 temps every single week out working for me. You were literally managing them and making sure they're at work, any issues you'd get called. I used to have to get their timesheets every week out and back in yeah. and done. I used to post their pay slips back in the day and all yeah. the rest. Only you managing that volume of workers out at any one time. You're still trying to drive new business. You're still trying to do your, your recruitment, get your new roles, and I still have placing new people every single day. So it's basically huge volume and low margin but fairly consistent and fairly stable. Then you've got your perms where it's just a much slower pace. And I'm a fast paced person, so temp suited me well. You've got your perms where you get a role, you spend a month or two working on it. They've then got a three month notice period. They don't start for another three months and it's all much slower, but you get a much bigger fee per placement. Um, yes. And yeah, I my career was always temps and it was just go, 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 mad, 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 tons of temps to perms, brilliant. And, um, and, yeah, I agree with you. Perm consultant would struggle with temps, but temps could do both. So, um, so what, what industry were you in? So I was working um, within law firms, uh, anything but a lawyer. So it was legal secretaries, paralegals, PAEA reception was mainly as. Um, we worked on much higher margins. Okay. I didn't have the amount of temps out but we it was quite a big margin compared to a lot of office especially in the uk where you're really fighting for business and over sort of pennies really mm-hmm. um it's a really niche market in australia um and it's a really difficult mar- market to find candidates it's very very candidate short mm-hmm. um but it was something that i managed to get to the top of in, in a very short space of time um, and I was a million dollar biller there um, for multiple years. Nice. Last year I was there, I was voted in the final for Australia Recruiter of the Year. So nice. it was a, uh, it was good. Um, it was it was fun. It was a really really fun time. I got to say it was still even though I've got my own company now. It was my favourite job. Um, I loved it. I loved going in every morning. It was yeah. such fast pace um, that I loved. It was just it was brilliant um, and a brilliant company as I say. And I was taught very well, very ethically. Um, and that stood me good in good stead for starting my own business, really. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before uh, with people in the private sector. That first job in that first job in your career will make or break that career. And I think same with people. People get if people do the private households for the first time, if that job doesn't go well or it's not for them, they'll just leave the industry completely. Or if that's really good, if it's perfect thing, same in, same with recruitment, anything. So that first job, if it's um, you're well looked after and well trained that will just that will set your career path off or it's you'll funny leave, yeah you'll leave recruitment after two months and that's it it is funny because when i started there i started um in the accounting team and that was the plan was to go in, and i hated it i hated speaking to the account uh, the the candidates i just didn't find it interesting at all mm-hmm. um and then but it was a very very high billing team um, so there was the, the pathway was much, much easier. Um, but then I looked at the legal team and it was a, a predominantly female team. It was an all female team, actually. Um, 
And it was an all-female industry um, from the recruiters as well. Um, and I just thought there's there's my point of difference. Um, I'm a man, and, and the, my old manager said to me, look, I think you do good in this. This like it's a very female orientated. A man could disrupt it. It might be it might be good. And she was completely right. And but we didn't have a temp business when I started. And then so I had to build a temp business, which I built a, a million dollar desk from. Uh, so it was a it was a it was a good achievement there, and then we built That's a good, good team, and it's still running really well now. Yeah, and good setting for setting your own company. Because that's pretty much setting your own company. Setting up a cold desk is setting your um, setting your your own company, really. And so, so yeah. you're in Australia. You're doing really well. You're recruiting uh, office staff. How did you shift from that to um, recruiting private household staff? Probably in LA is probably where you started. Yeah. So I met my partner Petra, um, and we decided to move together. And I decided to leave Australia. Um, so we decided to set up home in LA and her home in LA was a, was one of the most famous houses in America, um, which is bigger than the White House. Um, it's 56,000 square feet of living space and 17,000 uh, in the attic. So mm -hmm. it's a four acres. Um, so then I went in as a partner and just seeing what it takes to run this sort of house. Mm -hmm. uh, and to be honest with you, it just fascinated me. Mm. Um, I was completely sort of, I just couldn't, I just love to know every every detail of how this works. It was like living in a hotel and then understanding how the hotel works. Mm. Um, but it's actually the biggest hotel, I think, in LA. Um, mm. So it's, uh, that, so that was where I then looked and I looked at how, she was easily being taken advantage of with price and things like this, not just on recruiting on so many just different, different things. Mm -hmm. And I just thought I've, this is another niche. Um, I am, I've got that experience of, I, I live this life mm -hmm. to give advice to other people. Mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily, I don't, if I said before, when I was a recruiter before, I was a recruiter before purely for money. Mm -hmm. Um, and personal accolades. I was the prick recruiter um, mm -hmm. in the office that nobody likes, the, the flash person that just cared about himself. That was completely me. Um, and it's, it, and that was it, That, but that was my drive. I needed to beat everyone else, not just beat them, destroy them. I wanted my numbers to be the best. And that, that was my drive. And so for me to then shift to be a business owner and, and start this, where to be honest with you, I don't do it for money at all anymore. Mm. Um, which is what I, my old boss started the company and he done does it for that and the love of it. So I kind of get it now. I used to always look at him and think, why is this guy, he doesn't do it for the money, is he crazy? Mm. Um, but now I do it because it's actually a passion. Um, so recruitment's in my blood, it's what I'm good at. But this now is, is my passion, not just the staffing, but lifestyle management um, is where I'd love to take it. Um, and just to really help people who are struggling maintaining their life, um, yeah. because I think um, there's a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. And a, a nice motivator, because um, the lifestyle management, obviously, that's just super helpful to ultra high net worth, being able to sort of offer a range of services. But one of the reasons why I love doing the recruitment is you're literally changing lives. Like 
somebody like we can have a super young housekeeper that's maybe done a little bit of work in the UK in a hotel and we can place her in one of the most high profile palaces out in the Middle East at the age of 23 earning more than I'll ever earn and literally changed her life and then to see that to see to be able to do this for some people who the people who take it seriously it's like so rewarding and yeah when you start to be driven by those kind of rewards uh, in opposed to financial rewards yeah you become that strangely addicted to it for those reasons you do and, and you know I, I was i can always i can even hear myself saying it people say i do it for the love of it i i like to help people mm. When I was recruiting for my team, if anyone said, I want to do it to help people, they would not be hired for me. So sorry if, it, if you were ever turned down for a job Definitely, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's completely different. I'm, I, I hear myself saying that and I actually cringe. Um, but exactly that. I don't think people, again, like we were talking earlier about recruitment's a good uh, uh, career move. But so, how good a move is working in private staffing? Yeah. I don't think people, actually understand what people learn mm. um especially in america mm. is there a big difference house manager role yeah. yeah house manager in america for like a larger state um you're looking between 150 to 300 um what like you you sort of pardon what currency us dollars 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 okay. but you're but if you're living in a if you're living in America, then you're spending dollars. Um, yeah. it, but butlers up to a hundred. Um, you're it's a very, very rewarding job. Um, and again, you can you you'll keep working all your life because mm. there'll always be work available, especially yeah. in somewhere like America because the houses are so big. Mm. Yeah, I just think I'd say the same. Like when I speak to sort of um, especially young people and I've been invited to talk to schools in the past and I should do more of it really because if if you're like a, a teenager and you don't want to go down the academic route, you're not the kind of kid to sit in a classroom, you don't go to university and the minute you wake up in your local pub and you, a lot of people in that situation, they've got the parents on them thing that you need to get a proper job, you need to think about your career, you can't wait just forever, all the rest. You can bloody wait just forever. Like if you, like, do you know what I mean? So people that think, I think a lot of people, especially in the UK, if they look at hospitality and think it's what you do between jobs, it's what you do when you're studying, it's what you do if you're a foreigner visiting the country, they don't realise that if you take it seriously and you work your way into private staffing, especially if you're there at the age of 20, yeah, you can be on the most lucrative career path, travelling the world, working for some of the most high-profile people. Um, and a bloody awesome career, like you're saying, absolutely awesome career. It doesn't mean you're going to be pulling pints and weather spoons all the time. <laughs> no, travel, especially if you're going over to Saudi or, or somewhere mm. like that, mm. Dubai, when, you, when you're going over there, some of the, the salaries and the perks mm. are absolutely, in actual fact, I, there's a guy in Monaco, I know um, he actually works for a family, he, his children are in our children's class mm. um, and they're friends and he actually is being put through private school, his two children, by his employer. Mm. Um, so he's at the best school in Monaco um, so his kids are going through private school. They live in Monaco. Um, so they, and all through, because him and his, his wife work for the, the principal mm. and they have a fantastic life. Yeah. Don't underestimate this world of hospitality. Um, no, and he, look, he, people might think he's working for that guy, but his child is going to school 
with every other billionaire's children in Monaco. Mm. And think of the opportunities that guy is going to get when he's older or yeah. because of his mum and dad giving him that opportunity from what they do. But it is, it is a fantastic uh, uh, career path. Yeah, completely agree. So staffing properties then. So tell us a little bit about that. When do you set it up and what, what do you offer as a service? Started January 2020. Perfect time. Um, for business. <laughs> perfect time. Very, very hopeful. Um, <laughs> then in LA, um, then February, I left for two weeks to go and have give birth to our daughter in London. Ah, oh, congrats. And I've never been back. <laughs> and so that was it. Um, so quickly had to realize what was going on. Um, how are we going to keep this business going? Um, so I didn't have unlimited funds. It's not funded by my wife or anything like that to, to just keep playing around with it. Um, so it's got, I had, I put all my savings into it, um, really. And I've churned through money like you wouldn't believe um, in the last year. Uh, I made some wrong hires. I kept some people um, employed longer than I should have mm. because I was trying to be do the right thing uh, because I didn't want to make them unemployed in, in this time because I know they're not going to get another job. Mm. Um, but I made mistakes. Um, but I, I realized, look, I'm not focusing on, on money. Um, that if we focused on money, we would, we'd be out of business. Um, we have to focus on what we want the business to be and make it that. That's where I think being a new business has actually been very beneficial mm. because someone like yourself, you've got your set amount of staff, you've got your overheads, your office, everything like that that you can't really get rid of. Mm. Um, we could move quite quickly and pivot very easily. Um, if we want to open up in a new market tomorrow, we can just do it. Um, so, and that's what we've done. We, we've taken on roles um, enough to pay the bills and keep us going. Um, we're, not, we're not flooding ourselves with work because to be honest with you, I haven't got the workforce at the moment, the right workforce mm. to take on 200 jobs. It's, mm. it's impossible. Um, so rather than let people down, we sort of been selective with the clients. And, and luckily enough, we've managed to take on some of the biggest business people in the world um, as our clients who have got multiple properties. We've managed to look after them in, in their multiple properties this year. Mm. Um, and, and it's been good. Um, we've had a lot of press. Uh, that was sort of my idea of get the name of the business out there, get out what we want to do, meet people that I would never have met um, Right now, me and you would probably not be doing this podcast had it not been for COVID. Nah. Um, nah. It's great. That's what I've really enjoyed about this year. Um, it's been tough. I'm not going to, there's no point we can sit here and lie and say, oh, it's fantastic and everything's rosy and we're the best company in the world. We're, we're doing all right because we're, we're still here <laughs> um, in the hardest hit industry in the world, the service industry. Yeah. Yeah, no, completely. Firstly, um, every single, like, oh my God, if I look at all the mistakes I've made, I think Silver Swan's, what, seven years, eight years old maybe? Oh, I'm still making mistakes today. So like, 
that's totally normal. And then in terms of keeping yeah. people keeping people too long, none of us knew when life was going back to normal. So how would you have not known back sort of June, July, when you may have kept people on that it wasn't going to turn a corner in September? You need these staff. So that was the most difficult thing I think owning a business last year. We had no idea how long we had to cling on for and when would the role start coming in and when would households be able to mix because ultimately we put staff in people's homes but when people can't mix homes there's not a lot we can do in terms of putting staff in people's homes so you know you could be the best business in the world and those recruitment agencies out there sorry if I've got competitors listening that were put in everywhere business as usual business as usual absolute bullshit be honest yeah. It's not business as usual. And that's just unfair because candidates that are applying to you expecting you to have all the roles, all the interviews, offers made. It's just not happening. It wasn't business as usual. Everything stood still for us. And we're fairly established. We've got the branch in Dubai, et cetera. Everything just stood still. So and it was just a case of how long can we hold on for? And um, let's. And that, the difficult thing with that is, is you know how much cash you've got and you know you've got bills to pay, mainly office and staff. So how long, how long, when the unit's going to get some cash in. So it's like, does this cash need to last me two months or 24 months? That was the most difficult thing I found as a business owner. Like, how the hell do you plan? Even today, even now, I don't really know. We're, we're, we're still in it. There's no, yeah. there's no getting over it. I think yeah. a lot of people felt that we'd turn the corner at December 31st. No, January's going to be all right. And then I think January's gone now. And we're all like, do you know what? Mm. This isn't getting better. Um, we're still getting roles, don't get me wrong. We're not, we're not sitting here just waiting for the phone to ring and it's bad. We're getting roles. Am I getting roles that is going to make me a business happy for the rest of my life? No, without a doubt. Um, it's, it, it's surviving. If I, can, I think if I can break even every month, uh, we're, and we're doing a bit better than that, but if I can break even every month while this is going, I'd be the happiest man in the world. Yeah. Um, because... You're not going backwards. There's yeah. so many, so many of our industry is going to go out of business this year, without yeah. a doubt. Um, they're going to fall away massively, um, especially the bigger companies with the bigger overheads. Mm. Um, really, the ideal thing at the moment is, and I know a few recruiters have done it, and kind of what I've done, if you can press pause in your business and stop mm. it, then you're in the best position um, yeah. for when everything opens back up. Yeah. Um, and just do little bits, but I, that's where I've realised I've had to dust sort of my recruitment hat off. Mm. I'm at work. I'm doing it. It's not mm. some guy in an office. It's me, and it's my my team. But I've made the team smaller. We got rid of the office. We were very lucky as well with our offices that we'd just taken. They after two months they said people there must have been a lot of contracts that needed renewing in the building, and they said we're we're getting rid of it. It was a shared office. Space, but we had a set office in there um, and they closed the actual building. Um, so we got out of that expense straight away. Um, so we didn't have overheads there. We've gone to work in a home, but working from home, especially we're in different time zones, mm. is tough. Mm. With kids, it's no. very hard to keep staff mm. motivated. Mm. Yeah, no, same. Um, I, is I know what they're doing. Yeah. I know. I, I think everybody across the board is um, trying to, who's got a team working from home, trying to get everyone together, all the rest, so hard. Um, it's absolutely disgusting what I've spent in my office over the last 12 months. I think I've been in there about four times and it's, I can't even, I can't even talk about how much money yeah. I've spent on it. Um, and so well, you don't just do recruitment, do you, as staffing properties? You offer more like concierge services as, as well, do you? 
I hate that word concierge, but it is. But it's I hate it because it usually in this industry means rip off. Um, usually concierge okay. is a lot of okay. you pay a massive you pay a massive load of uh, money for something you don't actually really get. Um, uh-huh. Mine is it's different. Um, what we did do in LA, if we we started going into the holiday route. Um, which obviously it didn't go to much fruition because obviously people couldn't travel to the States, but it is something we've already got in place where I see more people will rent homes in future for holidays rather than uh, uh, going hotels. Um, The just for safety and things like that. Um, But we can arrange you flights, private jets, um, the home, staff the home for you and then act as a concierge while you're there as well. Um, so we did, we've done a few of them within, uh, America, um, but really to trial it out ready for when, when it all comes back and travel comes back. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've pivoted there, but I'm, I'm really sort of a go-to because I use a lot of the services that ultra high net works use. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I give them, for example, as I'll say to people, when was the last time you done your insurance? Who does your insurance? Um, my the people who do my insurance is a friend of mine. You should speak to him. Let him have a look at your insurance. Little, it's little extras like that that we we offer. But it's because I use the service as well. Mm. Who do you use for birthday parties? Who do you use for weddings? Who do you use? And and we interior designers. Um, so we're we're sort of in in that mode as well. Um, even to are you looking to buy a house? I can put you onto an agent. Um, so kind of networking, bringing a lot of businesses together. Yeah, nice. And it's quite nice as well, because I think if you've got that relationship with a client who trusts you with a the recruitment, then you're well positioned to offer help across the board, um, which is nice. And as like I said, because you're new and you're quite small, you, you're so like adaptable, you know, it's not like you've got the time and the resources to, if someone said to me, can you help me find a holiday? I'd be like, are you kidding? I haven't got time to find myself a holiday. Like I'm busy with recruitment, but it's, exactly. you know, you're in the position where you, um, have the ability to do that which is great and it's nice for the clients they trust you so and that's exactly it i had a i had another agency up ring me up yesterday um uh could you get my client into a hotel in in dubai um mm-hmm. and i found them the room within about two minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't take it but it was they, it was all there for them ready yeah. um so little things like that i don't know what it's not that we're charging for it either um mm-hmm. but it's it's an added service of why why to use us um, because sure. we've got access to these things. Yeah. So in terms of the market then, so for back to sort of private staffing, uh, um, things went quite quiet. Are things, are you, have you noticed any sort of shifts at all since we've been headed into 2021? Have, have things started? Because what we found with uh, Silver Swan is um, new roles have come in, but not only that, clients have been moving forward better so people are actually went ready to interview they're able to start thinking about start dates so there's just more movement within the roles which we felt which we didn't really have last year last year we had roles but would they ever actually get to interview stage it was all very slow what i've found is la has been kind of constant um from even from last year um not an abundance of jobs, but all people are there. They haven't really traveled. A lot of people have moved in America. So a lot of people have relocated from New York to LA, LA to Florida, to Texas. So a lot of 
sort of movement, but they can't leave the country. So they've all sort of shifted around. There's been it's been one of the biggest years for real estate in in America this year yeah. or last year. London, I've seen lots of roles on hold because high net worth individuals might have left London mm. um, and they're coming back, they're coming back, they're coming back, but they're not come, they've not come back because it keeps getting worse. Um, so I've seen London a, lo a lot quieter. Um, the Monaco is always sort of, it's been average and it's, it's continued, but a lot of people haven't really bought in the... Uh, they're not overstaffing houses. They're mm. sort of running it on threadbare staffs mm. a little bit. Um, we can get by on this. Uh, we don't want to bring too many people in their home because of COVID and everything, because it is a risk. You're bringing, you're bringing people into your house that could have been out. So we, we try and put in preventatives to, for our clients because we do it ourselves. Like all our staff wear gloves, masks, temperature checks. We do COVID tests twice a week on staff. Mm. Not everyone does this. Um, we're quite COVID freaks. Mm. Hence, we've moved around the world. Um, but it's uh, we're giving that information. So, yeah, I think LA has been sort of steady. Mm. Um, not boom time. The, the role that I've seen most affected is the house manager role. Well, I think it's because people aren't moving jobs. So a lot of the time, so what we found is like, we do sometimes get roles where it's a brand new role, brand new house or brand new this, whatever, and you're not replacing it, but it's a brand new position. But most of the roles we get is because there's movement and people are moving on. And when people, this, over the last 12 months, no sensible person who is in a decent managerial position is risking moving now because they're going to wait until there's more choice of jobs, isn't there? So, yeah. yeah. We're finding that as well. Like when the market's fairly static in terms of people moving around between jobs and vacancies aren't created. Yeah, I think that is it. And I think there's been so many, I've been working on roles, they do need a house manager, mm. but they're not back. They mm. don't care really because they're still in Switzerland or Dubai or wherever. Um, it, I think that it is definitely, I do think though, this industry will boom yeah. after COVID. Yeah, I really do think that because I think all the hires that people have held off of, I think people will take care of themselves in their home a lot more. Yeah. Um, so I do, I do think this industry will boom. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the minute like we feel fairly back to normal, or so, well, I think they say in the UK when seventy percent of people are vaccinated, um, they will class it as herd immunity. Hum, yeah, immunity, and then we're sort of like yeah. The minute that happens everybody is going to want to hire, move jobs. They're either going to be sick of the job they've been stuck in for 12 months or the principal's desperate to replace. There's going to be an absolute flurry of activity. Yeah. So it's just a case for those people looking for work, just cling on. Like if it was me, I wouldn't settle for a job that's not right. I would honestly go and stack shelves in Tesco's and be an Amazon delivery driver and wait for the perfect role. Because I'd go and train to be, a, I'd go and train to get vaccines or something. Um, yeah, I, I agree because I do think it is, it is definitely going to come. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not worried that the industry is going to vanish. Yeah, um, that bit, that bit doesn't worry me in the slightest. Yeah, it's, it's more the fact. Um, just when is it going to happen? Yeah. Uh, I, that is, I think that if anyone's listening and you you work in this industry, keep 
keep hope. And I think that is another thing, especially for recruiters in this industry, mm. why you have to get your out, why you have to be out there. But mm. when it comes back, people will know who the recruitment agencies are. Mm. So doing things like this, people mm. will have heard of you. People have heard of staff and properties. All these things mm. are so important for when you come back. Just keep visible. The, like, a lot of companies I know, the first thing they've done is they've cut their marketing spend. It's like, don't. The minute people think the lights are off, they'll think the lights are off. You need to be working hard to make sure the lights are on. Be really visible, really vocal. Same with candidates. Be really visible and vocal. Keep in touch with your recruiters. Make a noise. Make people know you're there. So then you're at the forefront of people's mind, recruiters' mind, when um, you know the jobs are available again. So, yeah, don't go quite. Yeah, keep, keep noisy. I agree, and I think... I, I look on LinkedIn and I see some some of the candidates um, on there commenting on different things, but good good content. Um, yeah. I think that's very very smart what you're doing. Uh, you're yeah. keeping in everyone, and I've contacted a lot of them candidates when jobs have come up straight away because they're on my mind. Yeah, they're, they're posting relevant information. They're yeah. giving market updates. They're they're trying to stay positive. They're yeah. not. I, I I emailed a guy on LinkedIn the other day and said, what you're writing, you are never going to get a job. I, um, know exactly, I know exactly who you're talking about, and we're not going to mention it. I reckon I know exactly who you're talking about. And I messaged him and just said, look, I know it's, it's kind of, I know you're hurting, um, mm -hmm. but you're really not helping yourself because mm -hmm. especially in this high net worth life, people are thinking, why on earth would I put him mm -hmm. with a client? Mm. because they they look like a raving lunatic it's not because it's because they're so upset with what's happening mm. and and they gotta pay their bills and they're struggling and i get it um but you've got to keep professional you've yeah. got to keep your professional head on um and i think linkedin is a good place for you to start talking venting a bit of anger maybe but not in the right way mm. venting frustrations but not anger as i say to yeah to, really targeting high net worth individuals who are going to be and recruitment agencies or who are going to be your lifeline. Yeah, exactly. So people listen then. So if they want to sort of like sort of keep in touch with you in terms of your agency and your roles, do you, where would they find what roles you've got? Is it on your website or do you post them? Yeah, we, we post everything on our website. Um, I post a lot on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. Instagram, I'm big on. Um, so my, my Instagram, Sam Palmer official, um, and we've got staff and properties as well. But mine, mine I use a lot um, to sort of update people on good roles and things like that. Um, really, I'm, I'm, I, someone said that to me yesterday. I've just got into Clubhouse. I don't know if you've... Yes, yeah, me too. I really, I really like it, actually. I've, I've been on it twice now, and I've actually come out of two meetings where I'm, there's two things that I'm probably going to do with other people. Um, mm -hmm. It's pretty, pretty cool. Um, but being on things like that... Um, Someone said to me, you're probably, because I, I don't class myself as an ultra high net worth, but I live in that life, obviously. And they said, you're probably the most accessible in that life that I've ever seen. And yeah, maybe I am, but I like that. I like that I'm approachable. I, I respond on Instagram. I'm, I, I like to talk to people. Um, as I say, I don't see myself as a high net worth individual. I see myself as a recruiter and an owner of a, of a business. Mm, yeah, good. 
well that's what that is that grounding that's gonna that, that is gonna make people want to work with you the minute you start acting like an ultra high net worth you're gonna it, it's difficult to relate to you from a Canada point of view so um and it's not yeah. really you are anywhere that's like this is your life this will like do you know what I mean so you, you want to stay true to yourself and you're always going to be like that and you'll do really well from it um well, look, good for you. Like, I think that's been super useful. It's just nice to talk to somebody else who's got a different angle on things. You've got definitely got a different angle on things in terms of your sort of view of the market and um, good advice there for people that are currently looking for work. Um, as I say, anyone sort of listening to this who um, isn't yet in touch with Sam as a recruiter, Sam's got some decent jobs. That's how I've, I've sort of noticed you. You've got some, you've had some decent jobs over the last sort of few weeks. So quality recruiter with quality clients and quality roles. And that's ultimately what this market needs and what candidates need. So um, thank, you. thank you so much for coming on. Um, and when we put all this out um, in probably two, three weeks time, we'll uh, link you on LinkedIn so people can come find you and follow you on LinkedIn and sort of start engaging with you. So um, thanks for your time. Oh. To everybody that's listening, thanks for tuning in once again. We will see you back here in a couple of weeks. Any questions, give me a shout. You'll catch me on philippa at silverswanrecruitment.com. Uh, and if we can help you at all with your recruitment or for looking for work, uh, just visit our website, Silverswan Recruitment. And that's a wrap. I'll see you all soon. Cheers, everyone. Thanks.